The Joy of M Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, and on this episode, I'm going to do an outlook of the NFC. I did a preview of the AFC a few weeks ago, but I haven't done any talk on the NFC as of yet. So today, that's exactly what we're going to get into. Now, starting off with the NFC East, I mean, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they're currently 1-2-1, and one, which they're sitting atop the division because of that tie game that they had against the Bengals a few weeks ago. So, you know, some people have called this division the NFC least, which makes perfect sense because no one in that division has a winning record, as I mentioned with Philadelphia uh, sitting atop with that, that two losses and then one win and then that one tie, like I mentioned, that puts them in first place by the winning percentage. And so you look at Philadelphia, this is a team who has been decimated by injuries. I mean, Jason Peters was supposed to play guard when Brandon Brooks was out. Uh, he had to be moved to tackle, and now he's hurt. And then, you know, you look at their receiving core, which has just been extremely banged up. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is out. Alshon Jeffrey is out. Jalen Rager, their first-round pick from TCU, is out. Their main target right now is Greg Ward, their former uh, a former quarterback at Houston. He's converted to wide receiver, and you know Carson Wentz mentioned that Ward has his full trust. He has his confidence because he sees the game differently with being a former quarterback, as I mentioned from the University of Houston. So Greg Ward is kind of their number one option at the wide receiver position with all the injuries that I mentioned with um, what they've been dealing with so far this season. And then you look defensively, they also have been sort of banged up there as well with guys like Avante Maddox is out, uh, Rodney McLeod. I mean, this past week where they played the 49ers, they had to do some maneuvering in their secondary because of so many injuries. And so Darius Slay, we know he was newly acquired from the Detroit Lions over the offseason. He's one of the best corners in the league. But you look at a guy like Jalen Mills who came into the league as a corner, moved to safety, and had to play some corner uh, the other night just because of so, the, so many other injuries. So uh, the Eagles have just been banged up. They just haven't had a chance to put their full product out there and and, you know, last year was kind of the same deal with, of course, uh, Carson Wentz being banged up as he has had to deal with multiple injuries over his career. Um, the receiving core, they had the same deal last year with trying to piece that together. Their running back situation was uh, was very unique with having to bandage that grouped together as well as they did make it to the playoffs, losing in the first round to the Seattle Seahawks. But the Eagles have just been completely not the same team that you could potentially see because there's so much talent there, especially on that front line with guys like Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, 
You look at Brandon Graham, first-round pick several years ago. Malik Jackson, who won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, and that stout defense they had that beat the Panthers. I mean, this is a very talented group of guys that just can't stay healthy. And so Philadelphia sitting number one in the NFC East so far. We'll see if they can hold on and win another divisional crown. The next team, the Washington football team, and that's still super weird getting used to saying football team. Uh, so we'll just say Washington. So Washington sitting at one and three. We know recently they came out with the news that they benched Dwayne Haskins, which I'm not surprised in the least because to me, I've talked about it on previous episodes. I just don't see him as an NFL starter. Um, he only played one year in college at Ohio State as far as being the signal caller full-time in Ohio State. Now, he balled out and threw 50 touchdowns in that one year, but still, you know, um, what head coach Ron Rivera talked about is I think he said, you know, you he, you want your – you really don't know what you have until that quarterback has, like, 5,000 snaps. I think that's what he said, or 6,000 snaps. But, you know, people were like, well – he needs those snaps. He needs the reps to get to that point to see what you have. But I just don't think he's anywhere ready of being a NFL starter just yet, even uh, if, if even if he is going to be one. We don't even know that yet. But um, going back to you know Washington, you're looking at Kyle Allen being the new starter there. He has experience with Ron Rivera from their Carolina Panthers days. And Kyle Allen was one of the top quarterbacks coming out of high school when you know, he – decided to sign with Texas A&M and was there with Kyla Murray at the same time. They both transferred at the same time, and that was kind of the end of the road for Kevin Sumlin, who was the head coach at the time. But um, Kyle, Kyle Allen definitely takes over as the new signal caller. They have Terry McLaurin, a receiver who is kind of becoming a, an up-and-coming star for the Redskins. Uh, see, there you go. I said the Redskins. For the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson, the rookie out of Memphis who plays running back and receiver. He kind of just lines up all over the place and makes plays for that Washington football team. Defensively, though, that's really been the lone bright spot for this Washington team. Chase Young, number two pick out of Ohio State. Jonathan Allen, first-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, Deron Payne from Alabama. Montez Sweat, another defensive end who wreaks havoc for that Washington football team. And, you know, uh, there's so many good players on this defense. Ronald Darby, you look at Kendall Fuller, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Sean Deion Hamilton, another Alabama uh, product there in Washington. So the defense isn't really the issue. It's more offensively, and I think it all starts at that quarterback position, as I mentioned, with Dwayne Haskins being the guy. I think Kyle Allen will be a boost in that offense. I still don't expect Washington to make any noise. Of course, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they'll have a losing record. And But I like Ron Rivera. I didn't like him taking that job because I didn't feel it was the best opportunity or best position to put yourself in. Uh, we all know the the antics that Washington has been through, but um, you know Ron Rivera. I wish him the best, and we'll see what he can do as a head coach for the Washington football team. Now the Dallas Cowboys next. Dallas Cowboys. They are one and three, and they have been lighting it up offensively. I mean, you look at their first four games. They scored, you know, only only seventeen against the Rams, but they put up forty against Atlanta and that thrilling comeback. 31 in a loss to the Seahawks and 38 against the Browns, which they almost 
completed that comeback as well. It's like they get behind so quickly and so early, and it's too much to overcome. I mean, them coming back from behind to beat the Atlanta Falcons, that should have never happened either. I mean, but that's kind of been the story of Atlanta since that just colossal collapse uh, when the when the Patriots came back from 28-3 down to come back and win that Super Bowl. So, you know, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott is a top-ten quarterback. This dude is – is a stud and of course you know down here in the south mississippi state product we all know how good he was there i think it's caught nobody by surprise how good he has become with the cowboys he's playing on that franchise tag this dude needs to be paid jerry jones i don't know what he is waiting on i don't know why he hasn't paid him he's paid everyone around him and there's nothing else for dak prescott to prove he's shown that he is the quarterback for the dallas cowboys um I really don't understand why they haven't given him his money because he has proven it day in, day out, game in, game out. Uh, you know, I know they're off to a one and three start, but it's nothing to do with uh, Dak Prescott and his play. You know, of course they got Zeke Elliott at running back position. I mean, he is uh, one of the best running backs in the NFL, hands down. Amari Cooper, My- Michael Gallup. They drafted C.D. Lamb who I call the steal of the first round with that 17th pick uh, for the Cowboys. You know, so they have plenty of options offensively, so it's not about the offense whatsoever. They're able to put up points against any competition, but it's all about this defense that has been surprisingly horrendous. I was going to say bad, but it has had to use a stronger word there just because, like I said, it's this is we haven't seen – uh, I mean, nobody really expected this from Dallas. I mean, to give up 49 to the to the Browns, 38 to the Seahawks, 39 to the Atlanta Falcons, we know how bad the Falcons are. Um, and that game was really more about just turnover after turnover. But Dallas really have to uh, get it going if they want to, you know, get back into this playoff picture. But that's where the beauty of this division being so bad that you could win it with an eight and eight record or a nine and seven record. I don't know if it'll be a seven and nine or a team with a, a losing record to win it, but the Cowboys through their first four games or their first quarter of the season, as Mike Tomlin would say, they're uh, they didn't look good, but they do kick off this Sunday against the Giants at home. We fully expect them to win that game, and then they'll play the Cardinals on a Monday night. And so we know how good Kyler in that group has been. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals won. But that would be, to me, a must-win game. And you know it's 16 games in the season, but the way the Cowboys have started off, I think that Monday night football game against the Cardinals could be that moment where they win it. I think that's enough momentum to kind of get the ball rolling for them as they follow that game up with the football team from Washington. Um and then Philadelphia as well. So that Cardinals Monday night football game is going to be really important for the Dallas Cowboys to come away with the win there. And then, of course, the New York Giants. We haven't talked about them, but there isn't really much to talk about there. They're 0-4. You know, uh, this is Joe Judge's first year as a head coach there in New York. They lost Saquon Barkley to a torn ACL in the second game of the season. And – I think everybody know, like especially Giants fans, just knew that was it. If there was any hopes to having a solid season, they were all dashed when Saquon went down with that knee injury. So 
Um, they do have some young players around Daniel Jones, who was the quarterback there for the Giants. I mean, you look at Darius Slayton, Golden Tate. Sterling Shepard is banged up right now, but I like him a lot, the receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, this is just a team that just isn't really anywhere near competing or being in position for a playoff spot, especially, like I mentioned, with Barkley going down. But, you know, they have some young talent on that defensive side of the ball with guys like Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams on their front line, Blake Martinez in the inside linebacker position from Stanford, Jabril Peppers, who they acquired in the trade from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that involved OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. But this team just isn't there. They're not there. Neither New York team, the Giants or the Jets, will have any say-so in the playoff picture this year. And they may be a year or two or three, who knows, away from being in that uh, spot to have a – uh, redemption opportunity to get back to the playoffs. So I got went through the four NFC East teams, the Eagles football team, Cowboys, and the Giants. If I had to choose a division, which there has to be someone to win that division, I'm, go- I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys just because that offense is so good. We can't really expect that defense to be this horrendous for the rest of the season for the remaining 12 games that are left the Eagles have just been completely crippled by injuries as we talked about but I'm I'm going Cowboys to win that East I think they'll be the only team in that division to make the playoffs but um you know Dallas with that offense as good as as it is if they do get into the playoffs you never know what could happen just because they have so many weapons and can attack you from so many different ways, whether it's Zeke pounding the ball, he and Tony Pollard, or Dak Prescott airing it out for 450 yards, as we've seen him do in the game already, or it's 502 that we have saw him do against the Cleveland Browns recently. I mean, this dude is really playing on a totally different level this season. So we'll see. If that's how it plays out for the Dallas Cowboys and the rest of the NFC East division. For the NFC North, we're looking at the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. The Lions are 1-3. They're sitting at the bottom of, the, of that division. They haven't been, you know, I think more people expected Patricia to do uh, better sooner than he has because they really haven't done such. I mean, we've heard ESPN analyst Dan Orlovsky, who played with the Lions, talk about, you know, when Patricia came out, talked about how there was a lot of changes that needed to be made when he came in and how it really wasn't a good position for a new coach to come into right away. And so take a listen to this audio I got from ESPN as analyst Dan Orlovsky talks about Matt Patricia. We're going to come to Coach Caldwell's back, one, because it's the truth, and two, because we have immense respect for Coach Caldwell. First of all, we were 11-5 and five in 2014 and a really good football team. 2015, we go 7-9. and nine. It's because we turned the football over, but the last eight games, we were 7-1, and one. so flipped our season around. The next two years, we're 9-7, and seven, and I believe in Week 17, we were playing Green Bay in both years for a chance to win the division, okay? So... To come in and say that you had a lot of work to do is completely false. It's a bunch of trash because that wasn't the case in Detroit. 
That was audio from ESPN as their analyst, Dan Orlovsky, stood up for Jim Caldwell and how Matt Patricia should not be uh, pointing fingers at someone else. It should be more about him, what he's not doing right down there in Detroit because they had built a good culture when Orlovsky played there. You know, I think with the Lions not being this team that anybody expects to do anything, they could still still a win or two. We've seen them beat the Cardinals, which the Cardinals were off to a great start. But the Lions aren't going to do anything this year. You know, Matt Stafford's a quarterback. Um, it, I know it, it has to be frustrating to be the guy and you're with the franchise for so long and you never get a true chance to com- consistently compete for championships. I mean, I like to win, whether it's playing basketball with some of the guys I do. Uh, each week when I play with them or, you know, it's playing Taboo back home with my family or Phase 10. I hate losing, so I can't imagine being in a franchise for so long and knowing, uh, not going to say knowing, but just not continually or consistently being in, in a position to compete for playoff opportunities. But, you know, they do have some young studs here running back. Of course, on Johnson from Auburn, DeAndre Swift from Georgia. But AP, Adrian Peterson, is the starter there, and it's amazing how people continue to doubt him and expect him to fall off. And, you know, he, of course he's not the MVP-type caliber that he once was at running back, but, man, he is still a very solid back, and so it's good to see him still produce at a high level for the Detroit Lions. So uh, defensively, you know, you look at Deshaun Hand, you look at um, Danny Shelton, I mean – they have some Trey Flowers from Madison, Alabama. We all know he's uh, from from this state as well. But they have some young talent on the defense side of the ball, of course, with Jeff Okuda being third picking this past year's draft. Uh, Jared Davis from Florida. I mean, they, they do have some young players and some young, talented players on both sides of the ball. But I don't know if Matt Patricia will be the guy to get it done or if it's just some, one of those things that Detroit just can't get over the hump. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. But – I think they won't be a team competing for any playoff spot this year. So moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that also is one and three. I think this is something that caught a lot of people by surprise that they're one and three. Nobody really expected them to be that kind of team, but they start off the season with the Packers giving up 43 points and they lose to the Colts. So the Colts team is looking really good. I mean, they are, you know, I kind of, when I did my pick that the Titans would win the AFC North, I'm sorry, the AFC South, I was just like, man, I want to record it, honestly, and just be like, the Colts are going to win this. I mean, we're still going to see how, how it plays out. But, uh, you know, I picked Tennessee, but I think about it every day, especially when I recorded it at that time. I was like, man, the Colts, I picked them as my sleeper team, and I didn't trust it with my pick, but – uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Colts do indeed win that AFC South division. But getting back to the NFC uh, North division, talking about the Vikings, you know, they're they're one in three. Their one win just came recently against the Texans, who they fired Bill O'Brien after that loss. And then they had the Seahawks on Sunday. So, you know, it doesn't look good for Minnesota going into Seattle for NBC's Sunday night game. And, I mean, where did this team fall off? I mean, they still have Dalvin Cook and your Kirk Cousins. It's very accurate. Of course, they lost Stephon Diggs to a trade to the Buffalo Bills, which allowed them to acquire Justin Jefferson in the first round from LSU. And, you know, they're speaking high praise of him. and He is having a a very solid rookie uh, start to his career so far. But 
I think their offensive line is, is struggling a whole lot. Um, they lost a, a, a bunch in the secondary last year with guys like Mackenzie Alexander leaving. I mean, you look at Trey Waynes, he left. Xavier Rose, they parted ways with him. He's currently on that Colts team that I just mentioned. This is a team that I guess, you know, they lost so much and there was there's still so much that needs to be improved in that one year that they just – haven't looked good and it's surprising uh, especially defensively when we know how good Mike Zimmer coach teams usually are so Minnesota sitting at one three I don't give them any true opportunity to make the playoffs this year now the next team the Chicago Bears this is a team that's off to a four and one start they won Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20 to 19 Um, you know they finally made the decision to Named Nick Foles as the starter, which they should have done in the in the first place, where they were trying to hold on to Mitchell Trubisky as long as they could. But it's finally time to realize and accept that he is not your guy. You made the right move by going out to acquire Nick Foles from the Jacksonville Jaguars during the offseason. I mean, you look at Nick Foles. I mean, the guy can't win for losing them. I mean, he wins a Super Bowl with the Eagles, but they've committed to Carson Wentz for the future. So he signs a four-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He gets hurt. Gardner Minshew comes in and just takes full control over the starting position in Jacksonville. So then he goes to Chicago, and he is finally the starter with the Bears, and deservingly so. So looking at the Bears, they're – you know, I've had a kind of an interesting start to their, their season so far with, you know, of course, the season opener. They were down 23-6 to against the Detroit Lions. They come back to win that game 27-23. to And when I say they were down 23-6, they were down 23-6 in the fourth quarter and came back to win that game. Then against the Atlanta Falcons, they were down 26-10 to going into the fourth quarter, and they come back to win that game as well, 30-26. to and they became the first team in NFL history to come from behind and win two contests. They've trailed by at least 16 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a very impressive stat. Of, out of all the years that the NFL has been around, you know, for that to happen in the year 2020 of all years, what what an impressive stat and an accomplishment by the Chicago Bears. And then, of course, as I mentioned, they beat the Buccaneers on Thursday night a game where they were down 13-0 early in the second quarter and came back to win 2019. So you have to wonder if many teams are feeling the way Dennis Green did back when he coached the Arizona Cardinals and they had the Chicago Bears on the ropes, only to allow them to come back and win that game. So take a listen to this memorable audio from ESPN when Dennis Green took the postgame podium after that 2006 matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Thanks, Coach. That audio from ESPN will always go down as one of the most classic rants after a game when Dennis Green, you know, they had the Bears right where they wanted them, and as he said, they let them off the hook. You know, uh, man, that was frustrating because I was I was rooting for that Cardinals team at that time, and uh, not as a fan, but in that particular game because I liked Dennis Green, and you know that would have been a huge win for that Cardinals team back in 2006, which 
They were trying to end a four-game slide, but they lost that game, fell to one and five, and you know that season was a wash after that. Now, continuing talk of Chicago, I mean, they're a very talented team. We talked about Nick Foles. Um, of course, he has a top target in Allen Robinson at the wide receiver position. We'll see if he uh, can be happy and stay in Chicago for years to come. That remains to be seen. But that defense with guys like cornerback Kyle Fuller, linebacker Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, the linebacker from Kentucky, and of course, you have Khalil Mack, one of the best pass rushers in the game. Eddie Jackson as well. Man, I was a huge fan of his at Alabama, and I was surprised he fell all the way to the fourth round. I mean, this dude is a playmaker. Anytime he gets around the ball, he gets his hands on the ball. I mean, I remember back in college when he was at Alabama where they start putting him at punt return because he would get an interception and he would return for a touchdown. So might as well get him more opportunities to make plays with the ball in his hands so they put him back there as a punt returner. And so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Eddie Jackson. So we'll see if the Bears can continue that momentum through the rest of the season. Now, they do have a uh, tough stretch of games coming up starting October 18th, the Panthers. We know the Panthers – aren't any team you can sleep on. So that'll be an interesting game to see as well. And then they have the Rams on a Monday night there on the road. Then they play the Saints and the Titans. Those three straight games could uh, determine the Bears' fate. And I know it's a long season, but those three games right there against other teams who are going to be competing for playoff spots down the road could be the telltale sign of what happens for Chicago this year. Moving on to the next team, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is at it again, 4-0. I mean, and looking just as good as ever. I mean, you wouldn't think this guy is like 36 years old because, I mean, he doesn't change. He It's like his play never falls off. And, you know, he's that dude. Uh, he knows he's that dude. So, like, we you know, I talked about in the NFL draft recap that the worst surprise pick was them taking – Jordan Love out of Utah State because Aaron Rodgers is still a baller. He still has plenty left in that tank, and I wouldn't be surprised that he continues to do this for another three, four years, maybe five years. I mean, we see guys like Brady and Rivers and Breeze continue to play at a high level for their respective teams. So Green Bay, offensively, very good. As we talk about with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, uh, Valdez Scantling and Alan Lazard is really coming along this year, although he's currently on IR. Robert Tunyon had three touchdowns Monday night against the Atlanta Falcons. This Packers team, they're picking right back where they left off when they lost in the NFC uh, Conference Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. But, I mean, I think this is their division to lose, and I don't see them losing it by any mean unless they just somehow some way you know bungle it by uh just completely not by, by falling apart or, or having some injuries at some key positions but if that key position isn't their quarterback then I don't see them falling off by any means but I mean they this Packers defense too doesn't get the praise that they deserve I mean they had they held uh, Calvin Ridley to no catches Monday night and that was Jair Alexander who played 
one on one most of the night through him. Uh, he's a guy who was played cornerback at Louisville. He returned punts and kicks, and you know I was became a huge fan of his when he was a part of that Louisville Cardinal team, especially that one that Lamar Jackson was there and they put up like 70 on Florida State. I enjoyed every second of that watching them just run through the Seminoles. But, you know, Jair Alexander, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Kevin King, uh, that defense, you know, they're not world beaters, but I think they're still a solid group that could go deep into the playoffs if they um, – continue to play at a high level. Now, recapping the NFC North, I mentioned the Lions, they're not getting in. The Vikings aren't getting in. The Bears, I could see them as one of those two wildcard teams or uh, three wildcard teams, I should say. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that the Bears don't make it into the playoffs and Green Bay will be the only team from the NFC North that does. Hey, this is Corey Campbell for the Houston Academy Raiders. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Care Animal Center is a business ministry partner with the Joy FM. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that's dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is care-animal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. Phone 334-794-6333. Denny Vision is a proud supporter of the Joy FM, and their number one priority is patient satisfaction. They strive to provide a positive experience from the moment each person walks into the office. Denny Vision has an optical lab to create lenses on site, along with a selection of designer optical and sunglass frames. They focus on promoting good eye health while assisting patients in having the clearest vision possible. Their doctors help see the difference, which is their slogan. Located at 151 East Main Street in Dothan, online at dennyvision.com or phone 334-793-2633. This is TJ Haywood with the Joy FM Sports Team, and you're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on Joy FM Sports. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, as we continue to look at the NFC Conference. And it's not a preview, as we know. They're four games into the season, but this is an outlook as where we stand as of today. So we talked about the NFC East. We talked about the NFC North. Now it's time to talk about the NFC South division. Starting off with Atlanta, we kind of already talked about them. They're 0-4. They're uh, at the bottom of the, the division. It's only a matter of time before Dan Quinn is fired. I don't wish for anybody to get fired, but this franchise has not been the same since they lost that game, that Super Bowl just complete failure, being up 28-3, and the Patriots coming back to win in overtime, 34-28. to 28. I mean, that was just 
and I was for the Patriots, and I just don't like the Falcons. But um, you know, Atlanta, it's 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 crazy how bad they've gotten, and they've had a bunch of injuries this year too, especially on that defensive side of the ball. But they just haven't had that same team or same desire or that same level of success since that Super Bowl hangover. I mean, they've been back to the playoffs and they lost to the Eagles in that first round, but it's time for a new change. It's time for a new coach who can maybe regain that team and regain their trust. I mean, I don't know if they've quit on them, but it's it's bad. It's bad in Atlanta, and I think the longer they hold on to Dan Quinn, the longer that they just uh, hold back the chance to regain some momentum in the right direction. So that's all I'm going to talk about is Atlanta within being 0-4. It's time to make a change. It's time to start and clean house with a new head coach. So Carolina Panthers, 2-2. Two and two. You know, of course, Cam no longer being there. Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. Uh, they lost Christian McCaffrey early in that second week against the Buccaneers. And he has a high ankle sprain. And that's one of those injuries where you just never know how our player is going to respond because – they say it's four to six weeks. I think it's more like six to eight weeks, honestly. And especially, um, you know, if that person tries to play on it too soon, I think it could just really mess them up for the rest of the season. I mean, you look at Saquon Barkley. He had that same entry last year, and he said he came back, but he wasn't the same. He was not the same type of player with that high ankle sprain kind of being in his rearview mirror. But the Panthers, nonetheless, Matt Rule been the head coach first year on the job. He brings over Joe Brady, offensive coordinator from LSU. This Panthers team, they're 2-2. Two and two. They have the Falcons, that Falcons team I just talked about. They have them on Sunday. I think they could win that game, and they probably will. And Mike Davis has, has really just taken on with replacing McCaffrey while he's down. Reggie Bonifant was another guy who took on that responsibility, although he's currently hurt. So Mike Davis will have to carry the load even more, which is good for me because he's on my fantasy team. But, you know, uh, getting back to real football on the field, this Panthers team, you know, Derrick Brown, first-round pick out of Auburn, I mean, they have some promise. They really do. I mean, to win their last two games, you're playing the Falcons next, then you play the Bears. They could win both of those games and could surprisingly sit be sitting at four and two when we look at the standings in a couple of weeks. But Carolina, I don't I don't see them competing for any playoff spot. I think they'll have a solid season, a very respectable season. They may surprise a team or two along the way, but I don't see this Carolina team competing for any playoff opportunities just yet give them maybe maybe a year or two and they lost a lot and of course we know they kind of went through that whole purge system by getting rid of cam greg olsen uh goes to seattle luke keekley retires they fire run rivera so the panthers you know this is the team that i say give them a couple years they may be competing for another nfc south title but it definitely won't be this year now, the next team, the New Orleans Saints, currently sitting at 2-2 two and two as well. You know, they were on my uh, least respected as far as draft recap. I didn't feel like they just they bungled that draft. I think they could have addressed some more needs. I mean, I even talked about in that episode how they traded three of their draft picks to move up to take Adam Trotman, a tight end from Dayton, and 
they finished with four total picks overall. But I'm just like, man, this is where you build and increase depth throughout your roster. And I just wasn't pleased by what they did in the draft. Now, I was really impressed by what they did overall. I mean, you get Malcolm Jenkins to come back to New Orleans. You get uh, Emmanuel Sanders come over from the 49ers. Janoris Jenkins is another guy who they were able to acquire, I guess, at the end of last year, but also to bring him back for another year. That Saints defense can be really good. I mean, they have the talent, um, but I think it's more so the question is going to be surprisingly with the offense. I mean, we know Breeze is good. We know how good Kamara is. Um, Latavius Murray as well. Emmanuel Sanders, as I mentioned. Jared Cook is still there. But Michael Thomas being out with a high ankle sprain as well, as well as we talked about with Christian McCaffrey, I think that's one of those injuries like I talked about. It just bothers you the rest of the season. And so this Saints offense, it just relies so heavily on Michael Thomas. I mean, he was a guy who had 149 catches last year. But since he's been out, they struggled. I mean, they lost to the Raiders on Monday night. They lost to the Packers. And then they squeaked by the Lions 35-29. Uh, October 4th, but I think it just really showed that you can't just heavily depend on one guy. And now that Thomas is out, they've just, you know, depended on Kamara even more. But I really believe for the Saints to be a team to contend and go all the way or even have, um, you know, some legitimacy to compete for a Super Bowl title, they're going to have to open it up more and trust more than just one or two guys and lets the rest of your receiving core, Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, let those guys eat too. I mean, Taysom Hill, we know what kind of phenomenal athlete he's been playing quarterback and running back and tight end and receiver, and he does it all. So I think if the Saints really want to take a step forward with, you know, like I said, getting back into a Super Bowl pitcher, they're going to have to trust more than one or two guys and really just let everybody be a part of that offense as a whole. Now, New Orleans, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I think it will be one of the uh, wild card positions, which that being said, what I say in New Orleans to be one of those wild card spots, I'm giving the NFC South crown to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're currently at three and one on top of the division, but this team, it's hard to go against Tom Brady. We always talk about the Patriots, and you talk about LeBron James. You talk about those phenomenal athletes, and it's just hard to go against them. Tom Brady's the same way with being in Tampa Bay now, having guys like Mike Evans. We know Chris Godwin's been banged up. O.J. Howard went down with an Achilles injury. But you see new stars emerge like Scotty Miller. I ain't going to say stars, but new players emerge like Scotty Miller, a receiver who had a big day against the Chargers last week. Of course, Leonard Fournette comes over from the Jaguars. Ronald Jones III is in the backfield as well with Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie from Vanderbilt. So I think, you know, with Tampa Bay, um, you know, defensively, I, I think the defense doesn't get talked about enough. Now they haven't, you know, just completely dominated the competition. But I think given time, given time, they're going to be a stout defense when it's all said and done by the end of the season. You look in that secondary, Carlton Davis from Auburn, Sean Murphy Bunting, Anton Winfield Jr., the rookie from Minnesota. I love him. Like He was a guy who had seven interceptions last year for the Golden Gophers. Uh, and Dominican Sue, 
Jason Pierre-Paul on that front line. Levante David at linebacker. Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU as well. So I think Tampa Bay, when it's all said and done, they'll be the NFC South Divisional champs. And they may not, may only lose four or five games. I, I, so I can see them going 12-4, and 11-5. And, and I think that'll be enough to become the division champs for the first time in quite some some time for Tampa Bay. Now, moving on to the NFC West, which some are calling the NFC best, which rightfully so as competitive and as good as this division is. You know, just a few years ago, it was the worst division in probably sports, not even just the NFL, but it was so bad and so horrendous. And we fast forward now, this division is one of the best. So starting off with the Los Angeles Rams, a team that's 3-1, and one. Jared Goff, we know, is a QB there. Sean McVay is a genius, offensive genius as the head coach there. Uh, they moved on from Todd Gurley. He's currently in Atlanta. They're kind of doing a running back by committee with Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. Um, you know, this is a group. Um, Malcolm Brown as well. I can't really leave him out. He's had played a huge part of that as well. But the Rams, they also, you know, made a move, and they're looking at – being a team that may be surprising a few people because when you look at the West, you immediately think about Seahawks and 49ers where the Rams are sitting at 3-1 and one, and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods being the receivers there would kind of lead the way. Tyler Higby can go off for two or three touchdowns any given day. I mean, he doesn't do it all the time, but he's a guy when he does, you're not that surprised because he's uh, very talented at that tight end position as well. You know, they – are a team that likes to – they like to go all in. I mean, we see, we saw them acquire Marcus Peters from the Chiefs a couple years ago. They traded Peters last year, went and acquired Jalen Ramsey from the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the best corners in the NFL. So this is a team, like, they like to roll the dice. They don't hold, they don't hold back. They like to go all in, put all the chips in, and see where they fall. They also have – you know, Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive linemen in the league as well. So um, this Rams team can beat teams offensively and defensively, but are they consistent in their offensive game? I think that's really the main question. We know Jared Goff can be solid, and he is solid, but he doesn't always play the best of his abilities week in, week out. They do have Washington coming up on Sunday. We can mark that down for a, a win, and I say that, with a little bit of hesitation, but I'm going to give the Rams a win in that game. And then they do have the 49ers in uh, in you know, in Levi Stadium against San Francisco on October 18th. And that will be a huge, a huge clash for those two teams um, trying to get in position for the NFC West title. Now, moving on to the next team, we're looking at the Arizona Cardinals 2-2. Two and two. We know how... This is kind of a surprise team. I mean, they started the season 2-0. and Now they're sitting at 2-2 and after losing to the Lions, losing to the Panthers. They had the Jets on Sunday, October 11th. That definitely should be a win for the Cardinals with the Jets giving the job to Joe Flacco at quarterback with Darnold, uh, Sam Darnold being hurt. That should be a win for the Cardinals. They should be back on track at 3-2. and But then the Cardinals go into – the Cowboys, as I mentioned, on that Monday night, and they follow that with a, a, a divisional game against the Seahawks. So, you know, look at Kyle Murray, King and Drake. They acquired DeAndre Hopkins in the trade over the offseason. 
defensively, Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson is still there. Isaiah Simmons, a rookie from, from Clemson as well. Are they ready to make that move and be a contending team in the NFC West? Or are there still growing pains for this very young team? They have some veterans surrounding them. You know, we mentioned you know Larry Fitzgerald and Chandler Jones, guys like that. But are they ready to really play on the huge stage and compete for an NFC crown? I'm not quite ready to give them that NFC title promise or potential just yet but it, it, I think it, it could come it could come just as fast as next year with the way that they're ascending down there in Arizona now next San Francisco 49ers they're currently sitting at two and two uh, with the Cardinals as well this 49ers team I've never seen any team be as decimated by injuries in my life like this has just been just an enigma, just the way that they have had to overcome injury and injury and injury. And let me just read off some of the names that are not playing right now that are hurt from this 49ers team, a team that just lost in the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. When you look at the list, it's quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Solomon Thomas, Dre Greenlaw, Richard Sherman, Emmanuel Mosley, and Akella Witherspoon. These are all starters from the San Francisco team. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas are all both out for the season with ACL injuries. And, you know, uh, San Francisco, they're, they're very talented. Uh, the question remains, will they overcome? Can they overcome? All these injuries that they had, this is kind of one of those where it's a beauty to have uh, 16 games. You get a chance to play and, you know, figure things out along the way, especially with the amazing job that Shanahan has done in San Francisco with the assistance of John Lynch as general manager. But the Niners, golly, like I said, I've never seen anything like that before to have all these injuries in such a short time frame. And I think – it's really more about them, the NFL, not having a true training camp and preseason to get their body in shape. I think that's why we, we've we seen so many injuries and, like, real injuries where guys are out for a long period of time and out for the season type deals. I think it's really about not having the proper preparation that these athletes need to get their body in shape to compete at the highest level possible. So San Francisco sitting in 2-2. Two and two, We'll see. That's pretty much all I can say is we'll see. Now, for the Seattle Seahawks, the only unbeaten team in the NFC West, sitting at 4-0, Russell Wilson is putting on a show beyond shows. I mean, this guy here is sitting at 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. I know one interception went off Greg Olson's hands. The Patriots returned for a pick six. That should have never happened. Uh, The other pick came last week against the Dolphins. If he's not MVP, I don't know who is. I mean, at this point in the season. Of course, I know we got 12 games left, but I love Russell Wilson, if you can't tell. Like, this is my dude, and he deserves, if he continues to play at such a high level, he deserves to be the MVP, hands down, with what he's done. Uh, You know, having the support cast with Chris Carson, 
Carlos Hyde, you know, Rashad Penny is still on the men trying to come back from his ACL injury a year ago. Tyler Lockett, one of the most underrated receivers in the game today, a, a straight baller at their receiving position. DK Metcalf, uh, David Moore, Greg Olson, as I mentioned, the tight end, getting him a solid vet to come up from Carolina. Now, defensively, this isn't the same Seahawks team that we're accustomed to being, you know, to seeing dominate on that side of the ball with the Legion of Boom that they had several years ago. So they're really having to outscore a lot of teams this year, and so far they've been able to do so. I mean, they allowed the Patriots to score 30, the Cowboys to score 31, the Falcons scored 25, the Dolphins scored 23. I mean, they haven't had a you know a, a game where they've only allowed a team fewer than 20 points. Now, that may happen Sunday when they play the Vikings on uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC. That could be the team where they finally only uh, you know, hold a team to fewer than 20 points. But this Seahawks team is looking really, really good, and they're going to be tough to beat from here on out. And I definitely give them a position to make the playoffs for sure. Now, let me recap. My playoff predictions as far as division winners and then the three wildcard teams as well. So starting off with the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys will win the division and they'll be the only team to make the playoffs coming from the NFC East. The NFC North, the Green Bay Packers will win the division. And yes, they'll be the only team to make the playoffs in the NFC North. The NFC South, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the division, but I also have the New Orleans Saints finding a wild card spot to advance to the playoffs to hold one of the three playoff spots that will be available for this year. So that means in an NFC West, there will be three teams in that division to make the playoffs. Wild card spot, number two, I'm giving to the Los Angeles Rams. I think they will be a team who finds a way to get in. Uh, they have some talented stars that we talked about. Very good on defense, especially in that secondary with Jalen Ramsey holding it down. I think the Rams will be one of those teams to get into the playoffs. The other wild card spot will be the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going with them and trusting them as they get healthy and find their groove and get everybody back on the field. I'm saying they will be right back in the playoffs again, looking to cause havoc on the rest of the NFC. As far as the division winner... If you hadn't guessed it by now, it's the Seattle Seahawks. I'm riding a Russell train, dangerous, as he calls himself on social media. I'm going with Seattle to win the division. I think their offense is good enough. Their defense will continually uh, get better as they get Jamal Adams, one of the best safeties in the game, as they get him back on the field from his growing injury. So I'm rolling with the Seattle Seahawks to win the division, the NFC West. They will be the team to take the crown in that division. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is a proud business ministry partner with the Joy FM. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Now locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Phone 334-671-POOL. 
Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Back to the sweet spot sponsored by Pinch a Penny, Pool Patio, and Spa. As we close with today's Triple C segment, Corey's closing comments, this is what I want to share with you today. Your life is like a VCR. There are several functions such as rewind, pause, play, fast forward, and stop. They are all important, but have different responsibilities. It's essential to know why and when to use each one. You know, we go through things and you're wondering how to handle that situation. Sometimes it's best just to fast forward. You know, you're praying, you're seeking God for closure. You don't want to pause and continue to rewind and play that situation over and over and over again. So sometimes we just need to take a step back. So use that stop button, assess the situation, communicate with God. How do I fast forward through this situation? How do I get past this where I'm not reliving this moment over and over again so always remember your life is like a vcr those several functions as i mentioned it's important to know each responsibility and when and why to use each one and as we always say there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot stay in the sweet spot on the joy fm sports facebook page This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.